Welcome to East Taylorsville, and all the poor people said, Amen. Amen. You've either been on vacation or you're too poor to go. So we're so thankful that you're here with us this morning. We want to welcome you to East Taylorsville Baptist Church. If this is the first time you've been with us, or maybe the first time in quite a while, our ushers have a welcome pack that they'd like to get in your hands. And inside the welcome pack, there's a Let's Get Acquainted card in there, and that's for our visitors. And if you would fill that out so that we could have a record of your visit, we'd greatly appreciate it. And you can place it in the offering plate. You can leave it in your pew, or you can um, hand it to a staff person or an usher, uh, and we'd really appreciate that. And now for the next few moments, we're going to ask our visitors to remain seated and members you stand with a smile on your face, and let's welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning.
stood, if you would remain standing for prayers. Our ushers come down. I just want to mention a couple things. I need to meet with um, all our active deacons that are here this morning after the service. And let's just go ahead and meet in the Jennings Family Ministry Building Conference Room um, as soon as the service is over. And um, also, uh, the BBS workers need to meet with Elaine Norton as soon as the church is over. And I guess you can meet here in the front um, of, the, of the sanctuary, and she'll go over um, your assignments for VBS. Um, I want to mention uh, Kathy Barnes passed away Friday, and we'll have her service here um, Tuesday. The visitation will be from 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., and then the service will follow, and the graveside will be at Poplar Springs Baptist Church Seminary, uh, Cemetery. Excuse me. So if you would, remember uh, Jack and Scotty and all the Barnes family in your prayer, Guy and Kevin, remember them in prayer as well. Um, as they go through this very difficult time. Continue to remember the Wicker family in prayer. Also, Lynn and Dwight Hilton lost their brother not too long ago. And continue to remember the Bumgarner family in prayer uh, as we had Clyde Missy Moore's service not too long ago. Clyde, as I mentioned last week, was a World War II vet, and we're just so thankful for his service to our country. And what I'd like to do during this prayer time now is I'd like to lift our military up to the Lord in prayer in our country. So if you would meet me here at this altar, and let's, uh, let's pray for our country this morning. Fathers, we come to you in prayer, Lord. First and foremost, we want to thank you, Lord, for the country that we live in. Father, we want to thank you for the men and women, uh, Lord, who, are, who have fought and who have died so that we could have freedom. Father, we want to thank you for those who are serving now. Father, many from this church. And Father, we pray for their families. Father, we pray for their safety. Father, we pray for their victory. Father, we just, we just pray that your hand would be on them, Father, and you would take, take good care of them. Father, and we want to thank you, Lord, that you've placed us here in America. And, Father, we're just so thankful to see your hand on our country. And, Father, I pray that um, as a nation we would always look to you, trust in you, lean on you. And, Father, that starts in the church. It doesn't start in the White House. Father, that starts here with us. And, Father, I pray that we'd continually, Lord, share the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose from the grave to offer salvation to whosoever will call upon his name. And Father, that is our message. That is our primary message this morning. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this service this morning that's never placed their faith and trust in you, that Father, today would be their day of salvation. And Father, I lift all the families up, Lord. Uh, several have been through tragic events here in the last couple of weeks. And Father, I'm just so thankful that your grace is sufficient for everything we face. Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to worship together as a church family. Thank you for this offering that's about to be given. Lord, it is an act of worship, and I pray that you'd bless it and bless those who give. And Father, continue, Lord, to minister to our hearts during this service, and we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's children said together, amen. Thank you. Yeah. 
Amen. Thank you, choir. Aren't you thankful the choir's not on vacation today? That was a blessing, wasn't it? Praise the Lord for that. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn to Romans chapter 13 this morning. We're going to talk uh, about God and the government. So all you Republicans and Democrats, just go ahead and smile, all right, because we will make fun of both parties. No, not too much. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And notice what Paul says um, here in Romans 13. And let me ask you a couple of questions, okay? And don't answer. Are you thankful for your government? And before you say yes or no, I would just encourage you to travel overseas sometime, all right? And then you'll find out how blessed we are right now. Since I've been born in America, there's no government that compares to ours. You can go to Haiti today, and I'll guarantee you that most of the rubble from the earthquake is still there. I'd say 75% of it is probably still there. Drive on those roads in Port-au-Prince, which is their capital. And think about, think about the lawlessness in some countries. Okay? For all our faults, I still say no other government on the planet compares to America. Okay? We're so blessed. We have the right to vote. So don't answer, are you thankful for your government? Okay? Let me ask you this question. Do you pay taxes? <clears throat> oh, my goodness. I'm about to... About to have a heart attack right there. Okay, do you pay taxes? All right, think about this for a minute. Think about this as well. Do you vote? If you don't vote, shame on you. Amen? I mean, shame on you if you do not vote. Don't take my message today and some of the things I say and say, well, he's giving me a license not to vote. No, you should vote. You should register to vote, encourage your people to vote, and you should vote. Um, I've shared this story with you before, but my first job... Um, out of high school, I worked in a furniture plant, and there were two guys, one was a Democrat and one was a Republican, and that's when Bill Clinton was, was running against George Bush, you know, the dad, and um, they were very vocal about who they were for, and I just sat there and watched them every day, every day, and we were all in one room there, they had to talk about it, and they would cut out clippings of the paper, and they'd put them above their bucks of what people said about each candidate, okay, that's before... You know, the internet, before Al Gore invented it, along with global warming, all right, before he done all that, see, you just cut it out of the paper. And I remember the day after the election, we were talking about where we voted, where we had to go to vote then, okay? And we asked those two guys, you know what they said? Oh, we didn't vote. We hadn't voted in 20 years. Now think about that for a minute. Now, you should go vote, right? We have freedoms in America that other countries don't have. So look at what Paul said, and I'll guarantee you our government is a hundred times better than the government that Paul lived under. He says, let every soul be subject, or let every soul submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Now look at me. There is no authority except from God. I don't understand all that. But I do know that God is sovereign, Okay. And Paul tells us this, that there is no authority except from God that God doesn't allow. He goes on to say this, And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Then he goes on to say, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. Okay? If you don't want to be arrested by a police officer, don't break the law. And all of God's people said, 
pretty simple, isn't it? It's not really hard to figure out. Then he says in verse 4, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And we should be thankful for verse 4. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you once again for this opportunity to worship together. Thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that we would be good citizens of America. That, Father, we would be thankful for the country that we live in. Lord, even though there's a great divide when it comes to politics, the one thing that can unite all of us is the cross of Calvary in an empty tomb. Father, the church's primary function is to share the gospel. Lord, America will be changed one person at a time, not through the ballot box. And Father, what is happening in America today is a direct result of what's not happening in the church. So God, convict us on that end. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's children say together, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first thing I see here is this. According to the Bible and according to what Paul says, you must, point number one, you must submit to the government. Now notice what the Bible says again in verse 1. Let every soul, okay, that, that kind of makes it everybody, submit or be subject to the governing authorities. And that word for submission means to place yourself willingly underneath someone or something. It means to obey and it means to show respect. And I would, I would say this to you, that submission is not a popular topic in the world today. I don't know how many New York Times bestsellers I've ever read that talked about submission. I don't know how many number one country songs talk about submission or any kind of music in general that talks about submission. Nobody likes submission, but 38 times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about submission. And we've mentioned this before. Demons submit to Jesus, wives submit to husbands, and also husbands submit to wives, children submit to parents, Christians to church leaders, us to each other, and we're all to submit to the government, if you will. It says this, for there is no authority except from God. Whenever Jesus stood before Pilate, Jesus said this. Then Pilate said to him, Are you speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Pilate looked at Jesus and said, Do you not realize I have the power? I can crucify you or I can release you. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus says this, probably without blinking. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. And what Jesus was saying to Pilate in, in, in no uncertain terms is this. You're a little boy, you're a pawn in God's hand. You're like a crayon. That's all you are. You have no authority unless God has given it to you. That's what Paul is saying here. There is no authority except from God. God has allowed it to happen. God allowed America to come into existence. I believe it was part of his sovereign plan and we're so blessed to live where we live. Paul said that when he was preaching on Mars Hill. He said, God has placed us in certain places so that we might reach out and find God. Aren't you thankful you were born in America and not some other places? 
where they don't even have the gospel. We're so blessed. And Paul says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Somehow, some way, God works it all out, doesn't he? I don't understand how evil rulers, how that works out. One day we will. But you're to submit in America to the governing authorities. Now, nobody respond, but I want you to see this picture up on the screen. You're to submit to the governing authorities. Mm, some people are like, hmm. Now, it gets better. I want you to see this picture. Somebody's going to win this election. Somebody is going to win this election. If there's ever been a time to pray for our country, is it not now? And I'll just say this to you, okay? we got a Democrat and a Republican up there. All right? If you place your faith in a political party, you're going to have a very sad life. You know, I've met people that their theology is built around their politics. I'm serious. Their theology is built around their politics. What they believe about marriage comes from their political party. What they believe about abortion comes from their political party. What they believe about uh, benevolence comes from their political party. Republicans and Democrats alike. They don't get it from here. They just, whatever their candidate says, they bow down to, and that's what they agree with. Shame on us that we've gotten to that point. But you know what the Bible does say? The Bible does say you're to submit to the governing authorities. Now everybody say this with me. But, now look at verse 2. The Bible says this. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And what, and what Paul is saying is, if you're disobedient to the authority, really what you're doing is you're being disobedient to what God has put in place. Now say this with me. But, now notice he says this too, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. This is not blind devotion to the government. We would not be a nation today if we had blind devotion to the government. We had men and women who said, we will not. Aren't you thankful you're not governed by the Brits? All of God's people said, amen. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that men had some civil disobedience and they raised up and then they fought for their freedom? Okay? This is not blind devotion. The Bible never teaches blind devotion to the authorities. Now think about this for a minute. When is civil disobedience okay? The Bible allows for civil disobedience... When the government forbids us from doing something that God commands. Okay? It's all spiritual. The Bible allows for civil disobedience when the government forbids us from doing something that God commands. Here's some biblical examples. In Daniel 6.10, after the king had issued an edict, which means it was, a, it was from the government, they issued this edict, that no one could pray to anyone but him, we read this. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So what did Daniel do? He was, he was disobedient to the edict because God's command was higher. But what Paul says is this, those who resist were being judgment on themselves. Where did Daniel end up? Okay, he's tells, where did Daniel end up? The lion's den, okay? So I would tell you this. If you're going to disobey the government, be prepared for the lion's den, okay? Even when you're doing what God's asked you to do because the government's not always falling underneath what God wants them to do. It's just the way it is. But, now hear me out again, 
The Bible allows for civil disobedience when the government forbids us from doing something that God commands in Acts 4, 19 and 20 after being commanded by the religious authorities not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Peter and John said, Well, don't you speak about him, but I'm going to speak about him. And then the Bible goes on to say this just one chapter later. After being put in jail, and I'll read that again, those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Do you realize that Paul wrote most of the New Testament from where? Why? He disobeyed the government. Because God's command to him was higher than the government command. And Paul would say, those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And I would say this, all the civil disobedience in the Bible, people were respectful about it. Every time. Now listen to this. In Acts 5.28, after Peter and John had been ordered not to do it, they were in jail. He says, we gave you strict orders, they said, not to teach in this name. And he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And this is what they said. We must obey God rather than men. When Mark and I went to Canada, Ken went with us. We went to Canada. He's here somewhere trying to find him. They, they said you can't pass out religious literature, right? We just laughed at it. <laughs> what do we do? We passed out religious literature. I mean, we look like a bunch of drug dealers out there handing out, uh, I guess that's what they look like, handing out tracts and stuff to people. But in Canada, where we were at in Scarborough, it was against the law to do that. But we did it anyway. We felt like it was worth it. Whatever would happen, we felt like it was worth it. Okay. Now think about this. The Bible allows for civil disobedience when the government commands us to do something that God forbids as well. Now listen to what the Bible says in Exodus 1.17. After being ordered by the king of Egypt to kill all newborn babies, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do, and they let the boys live. They had this decree from the king, and they said, we're not going to obey you because that's against what God says. In Daniel 3, after King Nebuchadnezzar demanded that everyone fall down and worship the image of gold or else be thrown into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do so. And when the king gave them a second chance, we read these words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if we are thrown into the blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. The command of God always takes precedence over the command of the government. The command of God always takes precedent over the command of the government. If you go to China today, they're having revival, not in churches like this, but in underground churches where people disobey the government and they have church anyway because they believe the command of God is greater than the command of government. But, now know this, those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. All right? You realize that in Jesus' day, if you said, if you said, Jesus is Lord, that was against the government's uh, command. When Jesus hung on the cross, they said, He says He is the king. We have one king but Caesar. That, because the command of God always takes precedence over the command of the government. But in saying that, number two is this. You must be a good citizen. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3. 
The Bible says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And really a better translation says this, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Which means this, If you have good conduct, you'll have respect of the authorities. For instance, it's like I said before, If you speed, you will get a ticket. If you don't, I don't know that they've ever given a ticket in a 55-mile-per-hour zone for somebody driving 54 miles per hour. I don't know. That, they may have, but I don't think they have. I think it's against the law. I have never been arrested for shoplifting because I don't shoplift. Okay, That's what that means. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That's what Paul is saying. And Now listen, Paul lived in a very perverse government. It was awful. But Paul said, for the most part, if, you, if you're a good citizen... You're not going to ever have to worry about the authorities, ever. They're there to take care of you. He says, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is, what's the word? Good. Be benevolent. Be benevolent. You know what Peter said whenever, to his people when he wrote a letter? He said, be at peace with all men. Pray for the king. Give honor to him. And pray for each other. Be at peace with all people. Do what is good and you'll have praise from the same. Paul was saying, be a good citizen. Let... let um, let um, the pagans in the world see you and praise God for your good works. Be salt and be light. He says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil, which means this. One of the primarily, uh, primary responsibilities of the government is to punish wrongdoers and protect its citizens. Imagine what would happen in America today if tomorrow the government says we'll no longer have sheriff's department or the police department. What do you think would happen? Could you imagine? And see, that's what Paul says. Government officials are put in place for the good of the people. Notice uh, verse 4. The Bible says this. For he is God's minister to you for good. He's saying that government officials are put in place. And that word for minister is where you get the word deacon from. He said it's almost as if those who serve in that type of capacity, who protect the public... They're almost like they're God's servants. They're ministers. And you should show great respect to them. And then he goes on to say this, But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. In Rome, they didn't carry glocks. They didn't carry sigs. They didn't carry HKs. They carried what? Swords. And whenever they came, they came with a sword. And what Paul is saying is this, But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He says he's not just going to come and grab you for the most part. He said, the only time you should be fearful of authority is whenever you break the law. And then he says this, for he is God's, isn't that that word for minister? This is where you get the word liturgy. It's the idea of somebody leading in worship. That's how Paul said it. He said, he's an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Aren't you thankful? And that word for sword was also used for the Roman military. Now think about this for a minute. I thought about this. Nero was one of the most wicked people to ever walk the face of the earth. Imagine if Rome had a godly king. Imagine that army, that military, which some people have said has been the greatest on the face of the earth, if they were led by a godly person. Can you imagine how protected those people would have felt? How protected they would have felt. Don't you feel protected for the most part in America? Because we have the greatest military on the face of the earth. And what Paul is saying here is that you should honor them and thank God for them. Okay? And in order to do that, be a good citizen. If a police officer pulls you over, don't start arguing with them. Okay? You've obviously done something wrong. And if you hadn't, they'll let you off the hook for the most part. All right? 
That's what he's saying. Don't argue with your officials if you can help it. Just be a good citizen. You're representing Jesus Christ every day. Paul said, I'm God's ambassador everywhere I go. I'm representing Jesus everywhere I go. And if you want to make an impact on the world, be a good citizen. And then number three here, notice this. He says this, you must pay your taxes. Notice what the Bible says. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Basically what he's saying is this, if you want protection, you've got to pay for it. If you want good roads, you've got to pay for it. All right. If you want all these things, you have to pay for it. You must pay taxes. And how many of you don't raise your hand, but raise your hearts, feel like you're taxed too much? You're like, no, 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 yeah. But aren't you thankful for what our taxes get us? Ride on the roads in South Carolina, and then ride on the roads in North Carolina. We're blessed, if you ask me. Okay? We are. Just do it. Go to another country and ride on their roads. We're blessed. I don't like paying taxes either. But what he says is this, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. What he's saying is this, if they work and they protect you, you should pay for it. Now, I want you to think about this when we think about taxes. Think about taxes. Listen to what one man said. You may think we are heavily taxed, by the way, and we are, but hardly more than so than the first century. Rome had an income tax, a head tax, a poll tax, a road tax, a wagon tax, a crop tax, an import tax, an export tax, a harbor tax, a bridge tax, to name only a few. The Caesars live, like to live in style, and it costs a lot of money to maintain that huge empire, so they tax their people heavily in order to pay for everything. Paying taxes is a Christian duty. Tax evasion is not only a crime, it is also a sin. Now listen to this. Jesus believed in paying taxes. Listen to this. This is talking about the temple tax in Matthew 17. When they come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher, meaning Jesus, not pay the temple tax? And he said, Yes. When they had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, Jesus thought Peter's going to say, Do you pay tax? Because <laughs> Peter spoke for him. Jesus said this, What do you think, Simon? For whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless... Lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that comes up first. And when he had opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that, give it to them for me and for you. So when it comes tax time in April, I'm going fishing. Amen? Who wants to go with me? Anybody? Let's just see. Let's just put God to the test. Jesus believed in paying taxes, and he led his disciples to do it as well. Now notice the next verse, verse 7. The Bible says this. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. And literally what Paul is saying is this. He's saying this, is you're to honor people for their service and you're to pay taxes. Okay, It's never a good Christian thing not to pay your taxes. You're to pay your taxes and serve your country. And then here's the final thing, and we'll be done a little bit early is you must be born again. You know what the book of Romans is all about? Salvation. And then Paul intertwines the government, relationships, and all that. And I will tell you this, and I know this is hard for people in the Bible Belt sometimes because we're so politically minded. Don't put your trust in politics. Now all you Republicans look at me. Don't put your trust in politics. 
And all you Democrats look at me. All four of you out here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> I shared this with you before. I said my grandfather was a diehard Democrat. He'd vote for the devil if he ran. I think he did twice. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, now look at me. Democrats, don't put your faith in your political party. Put your faith in Jesus. When God wanted to change Nineveh, that, those wicked people, barbaric, they were so bad, Jonah said, I'm not going. He disobeyed God. God had to have a great fish swallow him up and spit him out on dry ground. When God wanted to change Nineveh, he didn't send a ballot box. He didn't. You know what he sent? He sent a man preaching. And the man preached, and God saved the whole nation. Don't put your hope and faith in Paul. I'm thankful we have it. You should vote. You should be a good citizen. Run for office. We have a lot of people in, in East Hills that run for office. Keep running for office. That's good. But don't put your ultimate faith for the good of the country into politics. People are changed. God didn't come to save America. He came to save Americans. Amen? God came to save Americans. You know what I find ironic is if you look at Rome, it, isn't it amazing that Jesus chose to plant and start the church in one of the most wicked times in Roman history? You do realize that pedophilia was, was legal? Gay marriage, we talk about that a lot, it was legal. All these things, sodomy was legal. If you were between the ages of 12 and 18 and you were a slave, you were at the mercy of your owner for anything. Anything. It was legal. You can read it. It's in history books. Read it. Alright? But something happened around the 3rd and 4th and 5th century. All that changed. Do you realize that a woman could have a baby in 1st century during Jesus' time and just leave it on the street and the birds could have it or somebody could pick it up? It was legal. But guess what started happening? People started getting saved. I mean, I mean radically saved. Prostitution was legal until the pimps started getting saved and the prostitutes started getting saved. And if enough of them got saved, guess what went out of business? Prostitution. Do you realize that a police officer that arrests a prostitute, if they're both lost, they go to the same hell? Do you realize that? What happened in Rome was this. People started getting saved. And everything changed after that. So much so that all those things I mentioned, by, I think by the 4th or 5th century, became illegal. And it wasn't because they voted on it. It's because God started changing lives. See, the problem in the church today is we've tried to put so much uh, trust in politicians to do what God's called us to do. You cannot legislate morality. You can't do it. God changes lives. He's the only one who can. I'll close with this story I heard about E.V. Hill. I don't know if you've ever heard E.V. Hill preach. He's, he's passed on now, but man, what a good preacher. I mean, he, is, he was such a good preacher. Um, he worked for, he's an African-American preacher. He worked for the Democrat Party, picking on Democrats today. But anyway, he worked for the Democrat Party, and he was like a ward, which meant this. If you were the ward, you were over city blocks. And depending on how many blocks were in your district, you'd have a block captain for each district. And let's just say Scott was a block captain for block one. I'd go to Scott before the election and say, how many people are you going to take to the ballot box to vote for so-and-so? And if Scott said, I got four, I'd say, well, you're fired. I'm going to get Clint to do it. Clint, how many you got? Clint might say, I got 150 people. I'm picking up in a man. Take to go vote. That was what he did. That's what he loved. Then God 
called him to preach. And he went to L.A. to start a church. Now listen to what E.B. Hill said. E.B. Hill thought to himself, what I do for the Democrats, can I not do more so for God? Now think about this for a minute. He took those same principles to build a great church. He said, there are 3,100 blocks in Los Angeles. And he said, well, I'm going to start having a block captains for my church. And before he died, he had 1,900 block captains. And he didn't talk about politics. They talked about Jesus. It was recorded that one man lived in one block, and he had this lady who was a block captain, and every week she would go to his house and invite him to church. He got so mad that he moved from one block to another block. And guess what happened? The block captain met him and invited him to church, and he wrote a letter to the editor and said, These people are everywhere I go. They're everywhere. And what God did in that church is God changed part of Los Angeles because a man took things for, for politics, which is temporary, and he applied it to the kingdom, which is eternal. Now, as I look out among this congregation this morning, I know a lot of people are on vacation. I wonder if we have just one block captains. Just one. Just one. That would apply that principle to the kingdom. Could you imagine... What would happen in Alexander County if you started taking blocks for Jesus? I mean, you can walk from right here around this area, and most of these people don't go to church anywhere. Most of them don't go. They just don't. Imagine if we got as passionate about lost people as we did about politics. What God would do, not only in this church, but in our community and in the world. I want you to stand with me, every head bowed and every eye closed. As Sharon comes to lead us in a song, and I'll just say this to you this morning. As we go to the Lord in prayer, our focus at East Tales of Baptist Church is lost people and the glory of God. Amen? And that's what we're going to focus on. And I would encourage you in the quietness of this moment, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, be saved today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, be saved today. Ask the Lord to save you. You're a sinner. You're guilty before God. And only Jesus Christ offers salvation. He died in your place and He rose the third day so that you could be born again. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. And I trust God's promise. And then for Christians here today, in your heart of hearts, don't do it out loud. You don't got to come to the altar. Just say this, Lord, make me a block, Captain. God, use me. Use me in such a way that, Lord, I can make an eternal impact in somebody's lives. Politics is temporary. The gospel is eternal. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for America. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Lord, I thank you for this county. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Lord, we're so blessed. But, Father, there are people within the shadow of this steeple who have no relationship with you. And, Lord, it is our responsibility to be the block captains. And, Lord, to see people changed, lives changed, people saved for your honor and for your glory. And, Father, help us to get as excited about the gospel as we do about a November election. And, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. And, Father, we love you in Jesus' name. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Take my life, lead me, Lord. Take my
ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close in this service today. Uh, you know we have VBS coming up. Um, July 17th is the kickoff. And you may be here this morning you haven't signed up to work. Well, I'd encourage you to do that. One of, the, one of the greatest things we'll have this year is VBS. We'll have more lost people here that, that week than any other time during the church year. And just say, God, use me that week. Whatever, Lord, you want me to do. You can see, you can see Elaine after the service. I would encourage you to do that. And then if you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. And would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we just want to thank you once again, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, thank you for how you've blessed us. Lord, you've put us in, in peaceful, pleasant places. And Father, I pray that we'd not take that for granted and be apathetic about it. And Father, we just want to tell you that we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's children say together, Amen. If you will, look this way. I'm going to ask Sierra Goble to come here, if you will, come and stand. She trusted Christ as her Savior at youth, at youth camp this uh, past week, and she comes this morning for baptism and church membership. And do, do you vote to accept her as a member after a baptism? If you will, raise your hand and say, Amen. amen. All in favor, raise your hand and say, Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I, I know you want to come by and shake her hand, Sierra. We're so uh, happy for you, and um, we're looking forward to baptizing you. And um, after I dismiss you, I'm going to encourage you to come up and shake her hand and welcome her to East Hillsville Baptist Church. Just want to remind our deacons that we'll be meeting in the conference room as soon as I dismiss. And then if you're going to serve in VBS or would like to, please see Elaine Norton here at the front of this auditorium. God bless you. Hope you have a great day. And hope you have a great 4th of July. You're dismissed.